Welcome in the Great Khan's Tent. History, Literature and Storytelling In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on YouTube. You can find us using this podcast name. Fear not, listeners, episodes will still be released on this podcast first, and it is only after a delay of a week that I will upload them onto YouTube. You can still find us on all your podcast providers first. Are you interested in getting the book you just published reviewed? Writing some piece of literature and need help getting it out there and promoted? Interested in sharing what piece of literature we should cover next? Well, fret not. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on Patreon, where your contribution can help in growing this podcast. For as low as $3 a month, a price less than a good, and I mean good, cup of coffee, you can help contribute to the growth of this podcast. Every bit helps, but as always, it is not necessary to do so, but will be appreciated. Find the Patreon link on our website on our social media accounts, or email us and we can send it to you. Thank you. If you have any suggestions, comments, or complaints, please be sure to email us at all lowercase in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. That is in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. We would love to hear from our listeners. Thank you for listening, and now on with the show. In this episode, we finally end the story of the third royal dervish and begin the final round of tales with the story of the first of the three ladies of Baghdad, continuing with night 16 and going into night 17. We again encounter the prospect of being lost at sea and winding up in an entirely new place, setting a precedent with the orphan stories like Sinbad. We also encounter for the first time the presence of Magians, or commonly now known as the Magi, the priests of the Zoroastrians. This is the first instance we have so far seen that the call to convert to Islam was not heeded. We also surprisingly encounter for the first time the tendencies to loot a city and her sisters are confronted with a city where they are able to take what they want at will and this is shown by their willingness to separate when going through the city. Auzubillah minashaitan nirajim Bismillahirrahman nirrahim In the name of God, the compassionate, the merciful. Praise be to God, the beneficent King, the creator of the universe, who has raised the heavens without pillars and spread out the earth as a bed. And blessings and peace be upon the Lord of Apostles, our Lord and Master Muhammad, Sallallahu and his family. Blessings and peace, enduring and constant unto the day of judgment. Of a verity, the doings of the ancients become a lesson to those that follow after, so that men look upon the admonitory events that have happened to others and take warning, and come to the knowledge of what befell bygone peoples and are restrained thereby. So glory be to him who hath appointed the things that have been done aforetime for an example to those that have come after. 
And of these admonitory instances are the histories called the Thousand and One Nights, with all their store of illustrious fables and relations. Shahrazad continued. They then sewed me up in the skin and entered their palace, and soon after there came an enormous white bird which seized me and flew away with me and set me down upon the mountain, whereupon I cut open the skin and got out, and the bird as soon as it saw me flew away. I rose up quickly and proceeded towards the palace, which I found to be as they had described it to me, and when I entered it I beheld at the upper end of a saloon forty young damsels, beautiful as so many moons, and magnificently attired, who as they saw me exclaimed, Welcome, welcome, O our master and our lord, we have been for a month expecting thee. Praise be to Allah who hath blessed us with one who is worthy of us and one of whom we are worthy. After thus greeting me, they seated me on a high dais and said, Thou art this day our master and prince, and we are thy handmaids and entirely under thy authority. They clustered around me, and five of them spread out a mat around which they set out quantities of scented flowers together with fruits fresh and dried. Then they brought wine, and we sat down to drink as they sang to the music of the lute. They then brought to me some refreshments, and when I had eaten and drunk, they sat and conversed with me full of joy and happiness. So lovely were these ladies, that even a devotee, if he saw them, would gladly consent to be their servant and to comply with all that they would desire. At the approach of night they all assembled around me a table of fresh and dried fruit, with other delicacies that the tongue cannot describe, and wine, and one began to sing while another played upon the lute. The wine cup circulated among us, and joy overcame me to such a degree as to obliterate from my mind every earthly care, and make me exclaim, This is indeed a delightful life. I passed a night of such enjoyment as I had never before experienced. This is the life, I said and I stayed with them until it was time to sleep. Take whichever of us you choose to sleep with you, they said. So I took one of them with a beautiful face, dark eyes, black hair, well-spaced teeth, perfect in all aspects, with joining eyebrows, like a supple brow or a sprig of sweet basil, astonishing and amazing the mind. As the poet has said, it shows ignorance to compare her to a tender branch, and how far is she unlike a gazelle? How can the dear gazelle have a form like hers, or honeyed lips like hers? How sweet a drink, or her wide eyes that act as murderers, capturing the desperate lover, tortured and then slain? I yearn for her, mine is a heathen love. No wonder that the lovesick is in love. I recited to her 
My eyes see nothing but your loveliness. Apart from you, no thought enters my heart, for every thought of mine is fixed on you. In your love is my death and my rebirth. I then got up and spent a night of unsurpassed pleasure sleeping with her, and on the morrow the girls took me to the baths, and after I had washed myself, they brought me a suit of the richest clothing. They then brought out food and drink, and we again sat down to a repast, the wine circulating until nightfall. This time I chose another lovely, pliant girl, as the poet describes. I saw upon her breast two caskets sealed with musk, withheld from any lover's grasp, guarded with the arrows she shoots from her eyes, arrows that strike down any who attack. I passed the most delightful of nights sleeping with her until dawn. In this manner I lived with them a whole year, but on the first day of the new year, they seated themselves around me and began to weep and bade me farewell, clinging to my skirts. What calamity hath befallen you, said I. Ye have broken my heart, they answered. Would that we had never known thee, for we have associated with many men, but have seen none like thee. May Allah therefore not deprive us of thy company. And they wept afresh. I said to them, I wish that you would acquaint me with the cause of this weeping. Thou, they replied, art the cause. Yet now, if thou wilt attend to what we tell thee, we shall never be parted. But if thou act contrary to it, we are separated from this time, and our hearts whisper to us that thou wilt not regard our warning. Inform me, said I, and I will attend to your directions. And they replied, If then thou would inquire respecting our history, know that we are the daughters of sultans. For many years it hath been our custom to assemble here, and every year we absent ourselves during a period of forty days. Then, returning, we indulge ourselves for a year in feasting and drinking. This is our usual practice, and now we fear that thou wilt disregard our directions when we are absent from thee. We deliver to thee the keys of the palace, which are a hundred in number, belonging to a hundred closets. Open each of these and amuse thyself, and eat and drink and refresh thyself, excepting the closet that hath a door of red gold. For if thou open this, the consequence will be a separation between us and thee. We conjure thee, therefore, to observe our direction and to be patient during this period. One of them then came to me, embraced me, wept and recited the lines. If after separation we come close again, the frown upon time's face will turn into a smile. If a sight of you serves as gohol for my eyes, I shall forgive time all its evil deeds. Then I recited, when she came close to say farewell, she and her heart were allies, there to longing and to love. She wept moist pearls, while my tears as they flowed 
were like carnelians forming a necklace on her breast. Upon hearing this, I swore to them that I would never open the closet to which they alluded, and they departed, urging me to be faithful to my promise. I remained alone in the palace, and at the approach of evening, I opened the first closet, and entering it, found a mansion like paradise, with a garden containing green trees, loaded with ripe fruits abounding with singing birds such as the nightingale the ring dove blackbirds turtle doves and the nubian song thrush and watered by copious streams my heart was soothed by the sight and i wandered among the trees scenting the fragrance of the flowers and listening to the warbling of the birds as they sang the praises of the one the almighty after admiring the mingled colors of the apple resembling the hue upon the cheek of a beloved mistress and the sallow countenance of the perplexed and timid lover i looked at the apples whose color was midway between red and yellow as the poet has said an apple's nature has combined two shades, the beloved's cheek and the complexion of the timorous lover. The sweet-smelling kints diffusing an odor like musk and ambergris, as the poet has said. Within the quince are all mankind's delights. Its fame surpasses every other fruit. Its taste is wine, and its scent diffused musk, golden in color, shaped like the full moon. I then looked at apricots, whose beauties delighted the eye, like polished rubies, and the plum shining also as a ruby. I retired from this place, and having locked the door, opened that of the next closet, within which I beheld a spacious tract planted with numerous palm trees, and watered by a river flowing among rose-trees, and jasmines, and marjoram, and eglantine, and narcissus, and gilly-flower, the odors of which, diffused in every direction by the wind, inspired me with the utmost delight. I locked again the door of the second closet, and opened of the third. Within this I found a large saloon, paved with marbles of various colors, and with costly materials and precious gems, and containing cages constructed of sandal and aloes wood, with singing birds within them, and others upon the branches of trees which were planted there. My heart was charmed, my trouble was dissipated, and I slept there until the morning. I then opened the door of the fourth closet, and within the door I found a great building, in which were forty closets with open doors, and entering these I beheld pearls, and rubies, and topazes, and sapphires, and chrysolites, and emeralds, and other precious jewels such as the tongue cannot describe. I was astonished at the sight, and said, such things as these, I imagine, are not found in the treasury of any sultan. 
I am now the Sultan of my age, and all these treasures through the goodness of Allah are mine, together with forty damsels under my authority, who have no man to share them with me. Thus I continued to amuse myself, passing from one place to another, until thirty-nine days had elapsed, and I had opened the doors of all the closets, excepting that which they had forbidden me to open. My heart was then disturbed by curiosity respecting this hundredth closet, and a shaitan, in order to plunge me into misery, induced me to open it. I had not patience to abstain, though there remained of the appointed period only one day. So I approached the closet and opened the door, and when I had entered I perceived a fragrant odor, such as I had never before smelt, which intoxicated me so that I fell down insensible and remained some time in this state, but at length recovering I fortified my heart and proceeded. I found the floor overspread with saffron, and the place illuminated by golden lamps and by candles, which diffused the odors of musk and ambergris, and two large perfuming vessels filled with aloes wood and ambergris, and a perfume compounded with honey spread fragrance through the whole place. I also saw a black horse of the hue of the darkest night, before which was a manger of white crystal filled with cleansed sesame, and another similar to it, containing rose water infused with musk. He was saddled and bridled, and his saddle was of red gold. Wondering at the sight of him, I said within myself, this must be an animal of extraordinary qualities, and seduced by the shaitan, I led him out and mounted him, but he moved not from his place. I kicked him with my heel, but he still moved not, so I took a mikraha and struck him with it, and as soon as he felt the blow, he uttered a sound like thunder, and expanding a pair of wings, soared with me to an immense height, through the air, and then alighted upon the roof of another palace, where he threw me from his back, and by a violent blow with his tail upon my face as I sat on the roof, struck out my eye and left me. In this state I descended from the roof, and below I found the one-eyed men before mentioned, who as soon as they beheld me exclaimed, no welcome to thee, receive me, I said, into your company. But they replied, By Allah, thou shalt not remain with us. Here I am, I replied, I have become like you, and I want you to give me a tray of grime, with which to blacken my face, and to let me sit with you. No, by Allah, they said, you may not do that, get out. So I departed from them, with mournful heart and weeping eye, leaving me in dire straits, thinking over the misfortunes that had overtaken me. I was sad at heart and tearful when I parted from them, and I said to myself in a low voice, I was resting at my ease, but my inquisitiveness would not leave me. So I shaved off my beard and whiskers, and wandered from place to place. And Allah having decreed me a safe journey hither, I arrived at Baghdad, 
yesterday evening, where I found these two men standing in perplexity. I greeted them and introduced myself as a stranger. We two are strangers, they said, so we agreed to go together, all of us being dervishes and all being blind in the right eye. This lady is why I am clean-shaven and have lost my eye. You can touch your forelock and go, she told him. But he replied, not before I have heard what these other people have to say. The mistress of the house then looked towards the Khalifa and Jafar and Mansur and said to them, Acquaint me with your histories. Upon which Jafar advanced towards her and related to her the same story that he had told to the portress before they entered. And when she had heard it, she liberated them all. They accordingly departed, and when they had gone out into the street, the Khalifa inquired of the dervishes whither they were going. They answered that they knew not whither to go, whereupon he desired them to accompany his party, and then said to Jafar, Take them home with thee, and bring them before me tomorrow, and we will see the result, and so that we may write down what has happened. Jafar therefore did as he was commanded, and the Khalifa returned to his palace, but he was unable to sleep during the remainder of the night. On the following morning he sat upon his throne, and when his courtiers had presented themselves before him and departed excepting Jafar, he said to them, Bring me the three ladies and the two bitches and the dervishes. So Jafar arose and brought them, and placing the ladies behind the curtains, said to them, We have forgiven you on account of your previous kindness to us, and because ye knew us not. And now I acquaint you that ye are in the presence of the fifth of the sons of Al-Abbas, the fifth of the Khalif of the Banu Abbas, Harun al-Rashid, the brother of Musa al-Hadi, and son of al-Mahdi Muhammad, the son of Abu Jafar al-Mansur, the son of Muhammad, the brother of al-Safa, son of Muhammad, therefore relate to him nothing but the truth. And when the ladies heard the words which Jafar addressed them on the part of the Khalifa, the eldest of them advanced and thus related her story, the story of the first of the three ladies of Baghdad, commander of the faithful. Mine is a story which, were it written with needles on the inner corners of the eyeballs of mankind, would serve as a warning to those who take heed and counsel to those who profit from counsel. Night 17 Morning now dawned, and Shehrazad broke off from what she had been allowed to say. Then, when it was the seventeenth night, she continued, I have heard, O auspicious Shehenshah, that when the lady of the house stood before the Khalif, she said, O Prince of the Faithful, my story is wonderful, for these two bitches are my sisters, born to my father, but of another mother, and I am the youngest of the three. My mother died, leaving us three thousand dinars. And so each of us, I being the youngest, inherited a thousand dinars. 
after the death of our father who left us five thousand dinars. These two sisters married, and when they had resided some time with their husband, each of the latter prepared a stock of merchandise, and received from his wife a thousand pieces of gold, and they all set forth on a journey together, leaving me here. But after they had been absent four years, my sister's husband lost all their property and abandoned them in a strange land, and they returned to me in the garb of beggars. My eldest sister came to me in the most squalid of states, dressed as a beggar with tattered clothes and a dirty old shawl. We were concerned about our other sister, but it was not long before she too arrived in an even worse plight than the eldest. When I first saw them in this state, I knew them not, and as soon as I recognized them, I exclaimed, How is it that ye are in this condition? O oh, our sister, they answered, Thy inquiry now is of no use. The pen hath written what Allah hath decreed. I sent them, therefore, to the bath, and having clad them in new apparel, said to them, O my sisters, ye are my elders, and I am young, so ye shall be to me in the places of my father and mother. The inheritance which I shared with you Allah hath blessed, partake then of its increase, for my affairs are prosperous, and I and ye shall fare alike. I treated them with the utmost kindness, and during a whole year they remained with me and enriched themselves by the money I had given them. But after this period they said to me, It will be more agreeable to us to marry again, for we can no longer abstain from doing so. O oh, my sisters, I replied, ye have seen no happiness in marriage. A good husband in this age is rarely found and ye have already had experience of the marriage state. They, however, heeded not my words, but married against my consent. Yet I gave them dowries from my property, and continued to them my protection. They went to their husbands, and the latter, after they had resided with them a short time, defrauded them of all that they had possessed, and setting forth on a journey, left them destitute. So again they returned to me, and in a state of nudity implored my forgiveness, saying, Be not angry with us, for though thou art younger than we, thou hast more mature sense, and we promise thee that we will never again mention the subject of marriage. I replied, Ye are welcome, O my sisters, for I have no one dearer to me than yourselves, and I received them, and entreated them with every kindness, and we remained happily together for the space of a year, after which I decided to fit out a ship to go to Basra for a merchantile voyage. Accordingly, I stocked a large ship with various goods, merchandise, and necessary provisions, and said to my sisters, Will ye rather stay at home during my voyage, or will ye go with me? To which they answered, We will accompany thee during the voyage, for we cannot endure to be separated from thee. I therefore took them with me, and we set sail, 
but first I divided my property into two equal portions, one of which I took with me, and the other I concealed, saying within myself, Perhaps some evil accident may happen to the ship, and our lives may be prolonged, in which case, when we return, we shall find that which will be of service to us. We continued our voyage day and night, till at length the vessel pursued a wrong course, and the captain knew not whither to steer. The ship had entered a different sea from that which we wished to cross, and for some time we knew it not. But for ten days we had a pleasant wind. After that the lookout climbed up to investigate, and called out good news, and came down full of joy, and told us that he had seen what looked like a city resembling a dove. We were delighted, and within an hour a city loomed before us in a distance. We asked the captain what was the name of this city, and he answered, By Allah, I knew it not. I have never seen it till this day, nor have I ever before in the course of my life navigated this sea. But as we have come hither in safety, ye have nothing to do but to enter this city, put into harbour, and land your goods. And if we find an opportunity, sell or exchange there. If not, we will rest two days and take in fresh provisions and go on with our voyage. So we entered the port of the city and the captain landed and after a while returned to us saying, Arise and go up into the city and wonder at that which Allah has done unto his creatures and pray to be preserved from his anger. We went to the city, and when we came to the gate, we saw it was guarded by men with sticks in their hands. But when we got nearer, we found that they had been turned to stone. And when we had entered the city, we found all of its inhabitants converted into black stones, and there was no trace of life. We were amazed at that sight, and as we walked through the market streets, finding the merchandise and the gold and silver remaining in their original state, we rejoiced and said, This must have been occasioned by some wonderful circumstance. We then separated in the streets, each of us attracted from his companions by the wealth and stuffs in the shops. This delighted us, and thinking that there must be some mystery here, we split up and walked through the city streets, each concerned to collect her own booty, money, and fabrics. As for myself, I ascended to the citadel, which I found to be a building of admirable construction, and entering the sultan's palace, I found all the vessels of gold and silver remaining in their places, and the sultan himself wearing robes of bewildering splendor, seated in the midst of his chamberlains and viceroys and viziers, and clad in apparel of astonishing richness. Drawing nearer to him, I perceived that he was sitting upon a throne adorned with pearls and jewels, every one of the pearls shining like a star. His dress was embroidered with gold, and around him stood fifty mamluks, attired in silks of various descriptions, and having in their hands drawn swords. 
stupefied at the spectacle, I proceeded and entered the saloon of the harem, upon the walls of which were hung silken curtains, and there I beheld the sultana, attired in a dress embroidered with fresh pearls, and having upon her head a diadem adorned with various jewels and necklaces of different kinds on her neck. All of her clothing and ornaments remained as they were at first, though she herself was converted into black stone. Here also I found an open door, and entering it I saw a flight of seven steps, by which I ascended to an apartment paved in marble, furnished with gold-embroidered carpets, and containing a couch of alabaster made of juniper wood, inset with pearls and precious stones, together with two large emeralds covered by a pearl-studded hanging ornamented with pearls and jewels but my eyes were first attracted by a gleam of light and when i approached the spot whence it proceeded i found a brilliant jewel of the size of an ostrich's egg placed upon a small stool diffusing a light like that of a candle the coverings of the couch above mentioned were of various kinds of silk the richness of which would surprise every beholder, and I looked at them with wonder. In this apartment I likewise observed some lighted candles, and reflecting that there must then have been some person here to light them, I passed hence to another part of the palace, and continued to explore the different apartments, forgetting myself in the amazement of my mind at all these strange circumstances and immersed in thoughts respecting what i beheld until the commencement of night when i would have departed but could not find the door so i returned to the place in which were the lighted candles and there i laid myself upon the couch and covering myself with a quilt repeated some words of the koran and endeavoured to compose myself to sleep but i could not I continued restless, and at midnight I heard a recitation of the Koran performed by a melodious and soft voice, upon which I arose, and looking about, saw a closet with an open door, and I entered it, and found that it was an oratory. Lighted lamps were suspended in it, and upon a prayer carpet spread on the floor sat a young man of handsome aspect, wondering that he had escaped the fate of the other inhabitants of the city i saluted him and he raised his eyes and returned my salutations and then i said to him i conjure thee by the truth of that which thou art reading in the book of allah that thee answer the question which i am about to ask thee whereupon he smiled and replied do thou first acquaint me with the cause of thine entrance into this place and then I shall answer thy question. So I told him my story, and inquired of him the history of the city. Wait a little, said he, and he closed the Koran, and having put it in a bag of satin, seated me by his side. As I now beheld him, his countenance peered like a full moon, and his whole person exhibited such perfect elegance and loveliness that a single glance at him drew from me a thousand sighs 
and kindled a fire in my heart. When I looked at him, I saw him to be the moon when it comes to the full, excellent in his attributes, supple and handsome. His appearance was like a sugar stick with a well-proportioned frame, as the poet has said. To the astrologer watching by night appeared a beautiful form dressed in twin robes. Saturn had granted him black hair, coloring his temples with the shade of musk. From Mars derived the redness of his cheek, while Sagittarius shot arrows from his eyelids. Mercury supplied keenness of mind, while the bear forbade the slanderers to look at him. The astrologer was bewildered by what he saw, and the ground before him was kissed by the full moon. Almighty Allah had clothed him in the robe of perfection and embroidered it with the beauty and splendor of the down of his cheek, as the poet has said. I swear by the intoxication of his eyelids, by his waist and by the arrows that his magic shoots, by the smoothness of his flanks, the sharpness of his glance, his white complexion and the darkness of his hair, his eyebrow that denies sleep to my eye, controlling me as he orders and forbids, by his rosy cheek and the myrtle of its down, by the carnelian of his mouth, his pearly teeth, by his neck and the beauty of his form, with pomegranates showing on his chest, by his haunches that quiver whether he moves or is still, by his slender waist and by his silken touch, the lightness of his spirit and all the beauty he encompasses, I swear by his generous hand and by his faithful tongue, his high birth and his lofty rank, for those who know of musk, it is his scent, and he it is who spreads the scent of ambergris. Compared with him, the radiant sun is nothing but the peering of a fingernail. The glance that I gave him was followed by a thousand sighs, and love for him was fixed in my heart. My master, I said, answer my question. I repeated my request that he would give me an account of the city, and replying, I hear and obey, he thus addressed me, Know that this city belonged to my father and his family and subjects, and he is the sultan whom thou hast seen converted into stone, and the sultana whom thou hast seen is my mother. They were all magians, worshipping fire in the place of the almighty sultan, and they swore by fire and the light, and the shade, and the heat, and the revolving orb. My father had no son, till in his declining years he was blessed with me, whom he reared until I attained to manhood. But, happily for me, there was in our family an old woman, far advanced in age, who was a Muslim, believing in Allah and his apostle in her heart. 
though she conformed with my family in outward observances, and my father confided in her on account of the faithfulness and modesty that he had observed in her character, my father had faith in her because he saw that she was trustworthy and chaste, and showed her great favor, firmly believing that she held the same faith as himself. Therefore, when I had passed my infancy, he committed me to her care, saying, Take him and rear him, and instruct him in the ordinances of our faith, and educate him and serve him in the best manner. Give him a good upbringing, and look after him. The old woman accordingly received me, but took care to instruct me in the faith of Islam, teaching me the laws of purification and the divine ordinances of absolution together with the forms of prayer, after which she made me commit to memory the whole of the Qur'an. She then charged me to keep my faith a secret from my father, lest he should kill me, and I did so, and a few days later the old woman died. The inhabitants of the city had now increased in their impiety and arrogance, and in their dereliction of the truth, and while they were in this state, they heard a crier proclaim with a voice like thunder, so as to be audible to both near and the distant. O inhabitants of the city, abstain from the worship of fire, and worship the Almighty Sultan, Allah the Merciful Sultan. The people were struck with consternation, and flocking to my father, the Sultan of the city, said to him, What is this alarming voice which hath astounded us by its terrible sound? But he answered them, Let not the voice terrify you, nor let it turn you from your faith. And their hearts inclined to his words, so they persevered in the worship of fire, and remained obstinate in their impiety during another year, until the return of the period at which they had heard the voice the first time. It was then heard a second time, and again in the next year they heard it a third time, but still they persisted in their evil ways until drawing upon themselves the abhorrence and indignation of heaven one morning. Divine wrath descended. Shortly after daybreak they were converted into black stones together with their beasts and all their cattle and their flocks. Not one of the inhabitants of the city escaped, excepting me, and from the day on which this catastrophe happened, I continued occupied as thou seest in prayer and fasting, and reading the Quran, but I have become weary of this solitary state, having no one to cheer me with his company. Welcome to the vocabulary section for episode 12. First, let us see the terms that were used in this episode. Quince, a hard, aromatic, bright, golden, yellow fruit similar in appearance to a pear. Marjoram, perennial herb with sweet pine and citrus flavors synonymous with oregano. Gilly flower, any number of fragrant flowers such as wallflower, clove pink, or white stock. Chrysolites, yellow-green or brownish variety of olive vines used as a gemstone. Carnelians, brown-red mineral used as a semi-precious gemstone. Saloon, an elaborately decorated public hall.
Now let us move on to the vocabulary section. Repast, the act or time of taking food. Obliterate, to remove utterly from recognition or memory. Copious, yielding something abundantly or plenty in number full of thought, information, or matter. Sallow, of a grayish-greenish-yellow color. Countenance, look or expression, mental composure, indication of mood, emotion, or character. Diffused, not concentrated or localized, or extend or scatter. Supple, Capable of being bent and folded without creases, cracks, or breaks. Afresh, from a fresh beginning. Scenting, to smell or to perceive by the olfactory organs. Timorous, of a timid disposition or expressing or suggesting timidity. Warbling, a melodious succession of low pleasing sounds or to sing. Inquisitiveness, given to examination or investigation, or inclined to ask questions. Consternation, amazement or dismay that hinders or throws into confusion. Inclined, having disposition or tendency. Abhorrence, despising something or someone or feeling of strong repugnance or disgust. Indignation. Anger aroused by something unjust, unworthy, or mean. Ordinances. Authoritative decree or direction, or ordained or decreed by fate or a deity. Stupefy. To make someone unable to think or feel properly, or astonish and shock. This episode has been written, edited, and produced by Saf Big. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day and or night. And may the journeys on which you are set upon be fruitful. Thank you for listening.